Hey everyone, I just want to take a minute to tell you about my Amazon number one best-selling book, Culture of Excellence. How do culture and leadership impact the performance of a team? For the past 30 years, one organization in baseball has stood taller than all of the rest, the New York Yankees. In Culture of Excellence, Colin Sumelia, that's me, takes us inside baseball's most successful franchise to uncover compelling and useful lessons in leadership. Culture of Excellence is transformative in its premise. It shares strategies you will want to apply and knowledge you can acquire to effectively improve your team and motivate your people. With three foundational pillars, you can become a more effective leader and build a culture of excellence through stories from the Yankees. And you can purchase your copy of Culture of Excellence from any online retailer. There are hard copy, ebook, and audiobook versions available. You can also purchase a hard copy of the book directly from me, and I will personalize it for you and send you swag items like a bookmark and a sticker. Head over to www.talent409.com backslash culture dash of dash excellence to view all of your options and learn how you can discover your talent altitude through my book, Culture of Excellence. Welcome to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. I am your host, Colin Cernelia. Thank you for joining us today, and please head over to talent409.com to learn more about how we can help your team with their leadership and culture development. Wherever you are in the world, and whether it's the seven pillars of dynamic leadership, culture pyramid building, or anything else, let our team of experts help you discover your talent altitude. This podcast is available on Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. You can help the show grow by taking a minute and leaving a rating and review on your podcast listening platform, or by sharing this episode with a friend and on social media. And on to episode 138 of the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. Our guest for this episode is Christia Worthy. Christia is the Director of Talent Development at the University of Louisville. She is like me in many ways where she nerds out on the whole development side. How do we help our people become better leaders? We get to talk so much about that throughout our conversation today. And Christia is also an expert when it comes to diversity and inclusion in the workforce. And not just talking about diversity and inclusion, but actionable items. How do we get better? with these topics that have become so front and center over the course of the past year. We can't just talk about them anymore. We need to have movement. Christia will give you some actionable items to walk away with, and you will hear Christia walk us through what she calls a needs assessment. And in this needs assessment, you can learn about how you can better help the people in your company, in your team, wherever it is that you are looking to improve your leadership and culture. And I love that Christy was able to provide this very actionable item for our podcast today. So let's not waste any more time. Let's dive right into my conversation with Christia Worthy. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. Today, my guest with me is Christia Worthy. Christia, thank you so much for joining the show. 
Thank you. I am extremely excited to be here and looking forward to the conversation that we'll get to have. Yes, we have a lot of excitement to get to, and I love your background, and we're going to get into so much of that here in just a second. But before we get too far, before I spoil it for everybody, I want to first give you an opportunity to tell the listening audience a little bit about yourself. So please tell us, who are you? Yeah, so um, like you mentioned, my name is Christia Worthy. I am currently at the University of Louisville, where I serve as the Director of Talent Development within our athletics department. But in addition to my role, I know a lot of times I tend to, when people ask, you know, who are you? You know, tell us about yourself. We just always go towards, you know, our professional life. And I am managing my identity, right? We talk about, you know, figuring out who you are. My professional work makes up a huge part of who I am, but also need to make sure that I mention the other parts of my life. So I am a wife. I am a mother to a beautiful little two-year-old boy who brings me a lot of joy, sometimes headaches. Um, But I have really, you know, have, you know, been just trying to figure out, you know, balancing work life and, you know, balancing being a parent and being a partner, uh, especially during this pandemic. So it's been a lot, but I'm hanging in there and I'm managing it. But just some other things, just a passionate individual who loves to empower people. I often talk about my why, you know, my purpose and I firmly believe that, you know, I was brought into this world to help empower and uplift people. And I strive to do that every single last day um, in all the work that I do. And I, I really feel like I am able to do what I love. And that just brings me a lot of joy. Absolutely. That's awesome to hear because <laughs> I'm sure you know people that when you ask them who you are or what they do, you don't get that same type of answer. You don't get the enthusiasm that you just brought to this conversation, right? You get people who are like, well, it, it could be better. I could be doing something different. I wish I could do this, etc." So it's awesome to hear that you've found your path and um, you know, like you said, there's still some bumps in the road and some, some things to figure out. But over overwhelmingly, it seems like you're happy with where you are right now. And that's a great start to this conversation. Good. Yeah, definitely. But like you said, just there's obstacles, just finding ways to overcome them and making the best out of it. Yeah, absolutely. So if we start the rest of this conversation, then talking about and there are so many things that you just said I'm, I'm scribbling like frantically trying to write notes here I think what I'd love to start with because this is the the powerful aspect is finding your why and finding your purpose and mm-hmm. you mentioned what that is for you and how it's empowering uplifting people and I know this is uh yeah, I don't know that I had too much of a conversation around a topic like this until about two years ago. And ironically enough, it started at a club called Toastmasters. I don't know if you're, yeah. you're familiar. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, we talked about your why a lot, you know, why, why you're showing up to Toastmasters when you could be doing any number of other things on a, on a given evening night and, you know, putting in that work during that one hour a week that, that you would show up for this volunteer opportunity and everything. And it really got me to thinking, you know, just in the larger terms of life, like, why are we doing, and I heard a really great podcast recently uh, with Daniel Laurie, who's uh, a Canadian softball player uh, on the Canadian national team. Uh, And she was talking about her why and why she gets up at the wee hours in the morning and, and does these crazy workouts and why she has 
um, sacrificed a lot of her family time. She has two young daughters and, and she's still competing at a very high level. Um, and, and, it, and it comes down to, you know, she wants to be a role model for her daughters and let her daughters know that you know, they can really accomplish incredible things. And, you know, that makes it so like she was talking about, you know, how it really hurts when, you know, you think about all the money that you spent on nannies and you know, all this time that you've missed and everything. So I'd love to focus a little bit more on the why and the identification of all that is, is what I'm getting to. And, you know, how do you go about that when you're trying to figure that out for yourself? You know, I'm sure that's evolved over the course of the years as you've uh, become a, a wife first and then a mother later and, and et cetera. Um, but how do you do it also? You know, I'm sure you do it within your line of work when you're talking to other individuals and trying to help them uh, improve their talent development. So can we talk a little bit more about that topic? Yeah, we can. And I, I like to, to emphasize that sometimes, you know, when you're trying to figure out your purpose, it's a journey. Um, so I, I always encourage people to give yourself grace. Um, you won't be able to discover it in one day. You won't be able to discover it, you know, in one workshop. Right. So I've had people like, you know, I, I want to know my why. Can you help me? And I'm like, yeah, I can get you started. But you really have to put in the work. And um, a lot of times it's just you like a lot of reflection a lot of reflection in answering those tough questions, like what motivates you? What brings you joy? You know, who are those people that influenced you in the past? And what would make you happy every day? What are you passionate about? What What would you fight for? What, you know, what do people tend to turn to you for advice? And you really have to navigate all these multiple pieces of, you know, what motivates you, what encourages you, what inspires you, what are your strengths, right? So just combining all of that, being really intentional and putting in that work and really exploring. Um, I really leaned upon, you know, Simon Sinek. He has this, you know, famous, you know, TED talk, you know, start with why he talks about the golden circle. And that's a great start, you know, really reflecting on why you do things instead of what it is that you do, right? So you want to start internally first so that you are, if you have, you know, a product or you have a business or you're trying to get buy-in from people, you can't do all those things without really getting to the core of who you are. Yeah, and, you know, this segues us, I think, nicely to talk a little bit more than about managing your identity and, I know this is, I, I struggle with this. I, I sometimes don't, don't even know if what I'm saying is, is how I want other people to perceive who I am. Like, mm -hmm. do I want them to know that I'm a business owner? Do I want them to know that I love sports? You know, how, how do I want other people to perceive me? And then I start thinking, I'm like, why, why does it really matter how other people <laughs> uh, perceive me? And, and, and I know there's a balance, like, you yeah. know, in, in order to build relationships and have connections with people, you have to uh, be able to connect with them and, and be able to have similarities, commonalities and, and things like that. But I know that so many of us, and you alluded to this earlier, get a little wrapped up in our identity as, as what we do for work. Um, and, you know, for some of us, maybe that works, but I think for a larger number or a larger percentage of, of the people out there, it's an unhealthy type of identity. And, and we're trying to figure out a lot of what we do on this podcast is trying to figure out how to transition your identity as an athlete, you know, student athlete in high school and college, and then transition into, you know, the corporate world or into uh, parenthood or into community organizing, whatever it is. So 
when we talk about managing your identity, let's dive a little bit deeper into that specifically. Like, how do you go about it? Like, when, what did you decide that <laughs> you you wanted to tell people when they ask, who are you? You know, when I asked that, like, how, how do you go about it? And then maybe we can talk about how you help other people with that as well. Yeah, that is an excellent question. And to be quite honest, I still have to actively work on it. But I remember distinctly the moment where I was like, Christia, this is not okay. It was when I had my son. So but prior to having my son, I was on the go nonstop. I have this thing that I use called can't stop, won't stop, which is me actively, you know, working towards, you know, reaching all of my professional goals. Like, I was going hard <laughs> all the time. But when you have a child, that requires you to slow down. And it was within like the first week of my maternity leave. And I had a lot of people that shared with me to take my full time that I could take the full 12 weeks. Don't do any work. And I'm like, how can I not do work when work is my life? Like work is what you know gets me up in the morning. But I wanted to make a commitment to doing that. But I remember like the first week of my maternity leave, I was like, who am I? Like work does not exist right now. And I had some issues. Like it was really tough for me because I'm like, work has been my life. Now I'm not doing it. This feels really uncomfortable. How can I get through it? So I really had to like sit with myself in my feelings during that time and really think about, you know, why was I upset? Why did this bother me so much? And when you look at like a student athlete, very similarly, they spent 18, you know, 20 years doing their sport. And that is who they were. I spent, you know, not going to reveal my age, but I spent that amount of time, you know, learning and growing and being a professional. And then now I had to pause. And like a student athlete, when they graduate and they don't go on professionally, they have to pause and figure out, you know, what is that next step? So, during that maternity leave, it was it was rough. Um, I did a lot of soul searching, like really having to, to tell myself that there are other pieces of me that are equally as important that I may have ignored, right? Because I have been, you know, I had this tunnel vision on my professionalism, but now I have other identities and other very important pieces to who I am that I need to pour into, that I needed to develop, that I, I needed to work on. Um, so I, I really had to set some boundaries for myself. And that started with, you know, I used to go into work all the time on the weekend. I used to work late at night into the evenings. But now I have a family. So I have to be okay with pausing, you know, at 530 or 6 p.m. and being present with my family. Um, and anything that I do or anything that's a part of me, I, I always want to be the best version of myself. And I knew that through reflecting, being intentional with setting boundaries, I really had to to focus on those other pieces for me to even full to for me to even feel whole. Um, and that really helped me figure out, you know, who I am and for me to really not neglect those other pieces of me that are equally as important that really impact my professionalism, right? Sure. So I've just been trying to be, you know, very open and honest and having conversations very similar to this with people to, to help them figure out, you know, who they are and, you know, their purpose and their why. 
So it almost seems like in a way that when we're talking about managing your identity, you're prescribing a method that you you would want people to look at themselves as a little bit more of a generalist versus like a specialist in one particular part of their life. Like open up to the idea that you can have multiple passions, you can uh, pour yourself into to multiple different things and um, you'll still get everything done that you're looking to accomplish. It's not going to take away, it, it might slow down the process a little bit, but in, in a way that can be a good thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Definitely, you know, paying attention to those various parts to where you're actively growing them and not neglecting them. But like you said, it may slow things down, but the end result will be extremely better if you just if you neglect it to to explore those areas. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it would uh, lead to a lot of regret if, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you you'd neglected your family time, for example, and then 10 years down the road, you're like, wow, I, I can't ever get this time back. And um, did it really advance my career much further than I was expecting it to? I mean, we're not saying don't shoot for the stars. We're just right. saying there's, there's a lot to life outside of, of just work. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so you mentioned that you are the director of talent development in the athletics department at the University of Louisville. So I'd love to learn a little bit before we talk specifically about that work in, in some more detail. Like, uh, how, how did you get into this line of work? Like, where did that passion start to develop? What were some of the, the steps that you took to be able to do what you're doing today? Yeah. So I've had a very crazy journey. Um, initially when I was starting my career, I did not know I would be where I am today. Um, I've always wanted to be an educator. Uh, I've always wanted to teach people. Um, so I, I went to school to get my bachelor's in middle school math education. Wanted to be a math teacher. I love math. I love teaching the kids. But then I got into the classroom with that particular age group. And I was, <laughs> I did not think this was it. I was like, uh, you know, I enjoy teaching, but do I want to be around, you know, this age group for the rest of my life? You know, middle school was rough. If you remember, like that's, that's a tough time. A lot of transitions. <laughs> um, and then I had learned about student affairs. I learned about higher education. Um, I was highly involved in college, uh, involved in a lot of different organizations. And I remember, you know, reaching graduation and I'm like, what am I going to do next? You know, I, I don't think I want to go into the classroom. That can definitely be my plan B. I love options. I was like, but what do I really want to pursue? So I had a, um, a sorority sister of mine mention that she was doing a master's program in college student personnel. And I had never heard of that before. And basically, um, and I went to another conference, um, ACPA. They had they have this conference called Next Gen, which is for professionals um, in graduate school, an undergrad that are like our next generation of like student affairs leaders. And I went to that conference and it blew my mind. So basically, you know, student affairs is providing support services to all college students. And I had an amazing undergraduate experience, a lot of mentors that poured into me and I would love that opportunity to do the same. On that journey, I was looking for a graduate assistantship and I fell into athletics. It basically, I was not looking for it. It wasn't what I was, you know, striving to do. And I had um, another individual, Kellen Wilson. She's actually um, in academic services or support services for student athletes. She mentioned to me like, hey, you know, we have a graduate assistantship. 
you should apply. It's in athletics, working in academic services. And I was like, oh, I don't know anything about college athletics. You know, I played sports in high school. Um, I love the sports, you know, that I did. But I, I wasn't really heavily involved in college, in undergrad. I applied and shout out to Marvin Mitchell. He gave me my first GA position in the field and I fell in love with athletics. I love the environment. I love, you know, providing support to the student athletes. But along the way, I started to explore other opportunities outside of my full time job. Um, I went to uh, the Effective Facilitation Workshop by the NCAA Leadership Development Office. And from that point on, I think I may have went in 2016. Um, it just changed my life. So I learned, I was learning how to be a better facilitator. I was learning how to deliver content to create transformational experiences. And through that, I was like, wow, like, I love this. Like, I would love to be able to do this for the rest of my life for college students, for administrators. So I continue to seek opportunities to where I can, you know, uplift people. I can help them explore who they are. I can teach other leadership development traits. I also, um, while that Michigan State, I was our tutor coordinator where I had to interview tutors. I had to train them. I had to evaluate them. And I'm like, I love this work. Like, what is this called? Like, how can I learn more? That's when I realized this is human resources. This is organizational development. And I went back to school, did a second master's, and I loved my program at University of Louisville. So what I started to do was create opportunities. I am a huge fan of if there's something that you want, you have to go after it. And sometimes that requires you to create those experiences. So while I was working in academic services, you know, I oversaw, you know, several sports. I did, you know, I oversaw one of our minority student athlete organizations. But within our team, I talked to my supervisor and I was like, hey, can I do some diversity and inclusion training for our staff? And he was like, yeah, go ahead, Christina. Hey, can I, you know, help coordinate like our team retreat? Can I, you know, share this information at our staff meeting? Um, can we start, you know, incorporating this? And, you know, he really gave me the platform for me to still, you know, do my job, but also explore those areas that I'm extremely passionate about. And I, I believe it was definitely perfect timing how I transitioned to my role. Our athletic department, we were really figuring out, you know, who we are. What do we stand for as an organization? And through feedback from our employees, they wanted to be developed. They wanted to have opportunities to grow. And because I had been vocal with helping, you know, our academic services team and, you know, even as a department, I led some activities over diversity and inclusion that when they were creating this, you know, new initiative, they thought of me to do that. So that's when I transitioned over to Athletics HR and I... It sounds so crazy, but I, I love my work. I'm able to provide opportunities for our, our managers, our coaches, I still do work with student athletes um, and just help them develop and grow into the best versions of themselves. And even in the diversity and inclusion space too, just helping people be more aware um, and just provide those avenues uh, for people to be able to do their job well, right? So a lot of times, you know, I love to mimic corporate America because I think they do amazing things with, you know, helping their employees grow. But athletic departments need to start doing the same thing um, because 
we're, we're human beings. We, we want to feel like we belong in our organizations. And in order to do that, we have to create those opportunities to where they do feel valued, to where they do feel like they're being invested in. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the creating your own opportunities. And I also love the fact that you had that support from within. And um, sometimes I think that's where the disconnect and where the, um, where you get discouraged uh, even is you have, you know, this ambition and these desires to do things and then you don't get support from the people that can empower you to be able to do that. So Mm -hmm. that, that connection right there is a really great aspect to your story. And one of the main reasons that I wanted to have you on is we have a lot of commonalities in terms of the type of work that we really enjoy. And, and I also love my work and I get to do it primarily with, with student athletes at the high school and collegiate level. But when I was looking at your profile and the work that you were doing, I noticed that you were doing quite a bit of work with adults in the room. And so, as you mentioned, whether that be coaches, whether that be people within your department and I was talking to one of my mentors about a year ago. His name's Carl Olson. He runs the student athlete development department at Penn State. And literally one of the first things that he said to me was, Colin, the one area that is underrepresented right now is the coaches and the adults like that are the ones supposed to be helping these student athletes develop. <laughs> they... <laughs> don't get the same opportunities that now we're overwhelmingly seeing for student athletes. And so when I saw this in your profile, I said, okay, wow, we, we have to have a conversation here because I would love to know how we teach the teachers to be effective with our kids. Because so often on this podcast, we talk about the influence that your coaches have, that adults in general have around kids. And I think that not not just being underrepresented in terms of um, you know, programs being out there for adults, but I think where, you know, I was guilty of this for a time. When you're an adult, you think you have everything figured out and you don't think that you need to go through any type of leadership development exercises or workshops or, or things like that. And um, I know when I was teaching them in the, in the corporate world, uh, there were plenty of times where the eyes were glazed over and the people in the room did wanted to do basically anything but be there uh, learning what what we were talking about. So when we talk about working and connecting with the adults, um, let's start with very simply, how do we get them to buy in? How do we get them excited about the opportunity to develop on on their own so that they can further help the kids? I mean, you had mentioned that there was where, there was some support and enthusiasm within your department um, to, to do this type of work. But I, I can imagine that even if there is that support and enthusiasm, there's still going to be those bumps and there's going to be those people that are resistant yeah. to doing the work. So how do we get the adults to buy into this type of work? Yeah. <laughs> It takes some work, right? It it takes work. And um, the first thing is you have to figure out what do they need, right? And I'm a huge fan of needs assessments. Uh, I feel like you you have to gain that information from whoever you're working with so that you can not make assumptions, right? We can think, oh, well, they need to learn about this. They need to be developed here, which might be true. We also want to make sure that we figure out from them what do they want. And that way you're able to tailor that information to make it relevant and also to to help them, you know, get interested in whatever content that you want to share. I will also add that you have to meet people where they are. 
And that goes for several things, right? So one, you want to make sure that you're creating opportunities that are inclusive of their schedules. Coaches are busy. They are traveling, they're recruiting, they're on the road, they have practice. So where can you provide those opportunities that meet, you know, their busy schedules, but also that makes it, um, I don't want to say relevant, but more practical. Like what is a realistic time for them? Yeah, maybe you would love to hold like a two hour workshop on a Wednesday, but does that really work? Can you find other pieces to where you can help them develop? Like, for example, attending their coaches meetings, um, attending their specific team meetings and leading workshops with them, with their student athletes to help them grow. Um, But you really have to first figure out what they want figure out what their needs are, and then create and develop ways that are practical for their schedules. They're under so much pressure. They have a lot of things to worry about, especially right now, you know, with COVID and navigating, you know, other things. So we really have to figure out and be creative and be innovative and getting them engaged and getting them involved and also getting them excited. One thing I like to mention is, or I like to, I don't want to say preach this, but they want student athletes to attend workshops. They want student athletes to do community service. They want student athletes, you know, to grow and develop and just reiterating and emphasizing that growing is a lifelong journey. It's not something that you just do while you're in college. It's not something that you just do within your, you know, first few years of coaching. But if you want to continue to be the best and you want to continue to be able to help, you know, all these new generations that are coming through. You have to learn and know about them and develop yourself so that you can be the best version to support them on their personal journey. Yeah, I love that. That resonates so strongly with me. It's actually one of my, it's my line when I'm doing work. Uh, if, if a coach comes to me, um, you know, whether it's in a traditional academic athletic setting like you're in or it's a travel program or whatever it is, uh, if the coach is or the coaching staff is uninterested in doing the work themselves, uh, that's my line for me to, to say no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in the beginning, I, I was uh, a little more willing to flex on that. But um, my, my feeling is the, the influence, you know, when, when you see somebody, whether they're speaking or they're doing a workshop and you see a coach there engaged in the work, taking notes, mm-hmm. being involved in the dialogue, like that's so much more powerful. And it sends a message that, you know, they're willing to develop, they're willing to, to grow, as you mentioned, and just understand that this is a lifelong journey. And uh, just because you're the head coach or an assistant coach of a team or program doesn't mean you've got it all figured out and that you're exempt uh, from everything that you're asking your student athletes to do, for example. So um, I love that. I also wanted to ask you, and I know things are different now in COVID, but maybe in non-COVID times, it seems like you are the type of leader in the way that you want to go about doing your work where you are willing to um, sacrifice your time in, in a way and show up to practices, show up to coaches' meetings make it easier for them to have a dialogue and a relationship with you because you're the one. Uh, and I know, you know, it's, it's on campus. It's not like you're traveling all over the world and things like that, but you know, it would be, I think in a, in a lot of ways easier for you to have them come to you, but you're going to them in, in non COVID times. Is that what I'm hearing? That is yes and no. So okay. I, I, one thing too, that I've, been working on is I believe I transitioned to my role and then a couple months later COVID was here. (laughs) 
So there has been a lot of me virtually, you know, popping in to different meetings. Um, I also have other people that are able to assist as well um, to help with cover, you know, the needs of our, our department with assisting some of our coaches. Um, but I do, there is value in being present, you know, in their space, right? There is value in, you know, you coming to them because you're able to see them in their environment. You're able to, you know, interact with them and, you know, make them feel, you know, more safe in their own spaces. So I highly encourage anyone, whether you're trying to do training development or you're trying to get them to complete any compliance forms, when you're showing up and you're present, you know, at practices or even competition or just even stopping by their office to say hello, that definitely helps with relationship building and relationships is what is needed in order to get buy-in um, as well. So I highly, highly, highly encourage people to to be present, be present, be accessible, and just, you know, build those relationships with your coaches, with your student athletes, because it will allow you to, to come from a more authentic space when you are asking them to attend, you know, this workshop. Um, and even through that relationship, you'll get to know them more and even be able to explain like, hey, this could be really beneficial. Like I saw, you know, that you had a hard time, you know, navigating a conversation with that Gen Zer over there. Hey, come to this, you know, workshop over navigating generational differences. So I, I highly, I, I love that. And I'm looking forward to, post-COVID times to where I'm able to, to pop up at practice more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For for many reasons, I think we're all looking forward to to that day. But uh, you're you're doing. I think you are showcasing that you're doing the best that you can in the circumstances that we have, and and you're still being accessible. You're still putting yourself out there, and uh, you know that's that's really cool to hear as well. Now, I'd want to trans- transition because I know this is something that is um, you are passionate about uh, and it's something that's super important and has come to, to light more than ever over the course of this past year and that is the whole diversity and inclusion piece when, when we're talking about how that fits in not just to athletic departments within major universities but how it fits into the general culture yeah. of our population and uh, so I would love to know uh, a couple things um, not just how do we know what's important to talk about in these settings uh, but how do we make it impactful? Because uh, it's, you know, I think that's where we've seen the change, right? This year is like we were having these conversations in the past, um, but maybe they weren't as impactful as they've turned out to be here in 2020, where we're now starting to see uh, some long overdue changes. So how, how do you go about identifying how you're going to have conversations around that? Yes. And you're right. We, we have been, you know, having these conversations and there's definitely been a shift, um, a shift that has a lot of professionals, you know, um, excited and encouraged, um, as well as, you know, student athletes, administrators, just human beings across the world. To make it impactful, there's a few things that needs to occur. One, you have to to set the tone that it's okay to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I know that word often brings fear or uneasiness or, you know, people frown upon it or they they think it's, you know, showing weakness. Sure. But if we really want to be honest about situations and we really want to, if we really want to open the door for growth and conversation, 
you have to be vulnerable. I love Brene Brown. She's my fave. I highly encourage, you know, people to listen to her. Um, but we have to be more vulnerable. So that's always said in, you know, any situation, it's a almost broken record whenever I'm having conversations with people. Um, also talking about the importance of empathy, being able to to understand where a person is coming from in regards to their feelings and emotions and to be able to to shift your line of thinking and taking on their perspective is really important. I also know that I already said, you know, meeting people where you are, where they are, but you have to meet people where they are. I know we we want everyone to be all the way at the top, you know, to have this level of competence and knowledge, but that's not that's not the truth. That's not realistic. Sure. So you have to pe- meet people where they are, but just provide opportunities for them to to learn. Um, and that needs to be done in a variety of different ways, right? You can't expect everyone to to be able to dive into a book and be able to, you know, learn and grow from that. So I, I, I highly, I, I create various learning strategies for people, whether that's through a book club, whether that's through conversations, you know, small group conversations, whether that is through, you know, uh, a 60 minute, you know, workshop, or maybe it's a podcast that you, you know, have the opportunity. But in order for it to be impactful, you have to deliver it in different ways. You have to have, you know, content that is relevant, relatable. But most importantly, you have to develop action items for people. Um, We're at a day and age to where people love where you lay out things for them, right? So, hey, you're going to learn about this material. We're going to have this conversation. And here's how you can take that you know, moving forward to make it your own or to spread, you know, that awareness. Um, But the first step is just creating those opportunities for learning Um, and to be bold with it and be, like I said, courageous. Um, But you also, especially from an organizational standpoint, you need that buy-in from the top. And having that buy-in from the top is extremely critical. It's impactful and it is extremely helpful. So luckily, at the University of Louisville, our athletic director is completely bought in and he has made it known um, to our staff, to our student athletes. And that helps develop an environment to where people know that we're committed to this and people are attracted to the culture and to the initiatives that we have within our, our perspective area. Sorry to interrupt, but I want to help you get fit. Christine here from Sweat With Sods. Being at home has a lot of people in a rut with their workouts, but you don't have to be. My Hit at Home workouts require no equipment and can be done in 30 minutes or less. And if Hit isn't for you, I also design custom programs that can be done virtually, in person, or a combination of both. I put my years of experience teaching classes and personal training into all of my programs. I've worked with lots of people and helped them achieve very different goals. So what are you waiting for? Head to sweatwithstats.com today. And don't forget that as a listener to this podcast, you can get a discount with code DYNAMIC at checkout. Can't wait to hear from you. And now back to the show. I love that. And I always say leadership starts at the top. And I think that's a very clear indication from you that you wouldn't be able to, to do the important work around this space if you didn't have the support from in your case, it's it's the athletic director in the corporate world, the CEO or the owner yeah. of a company. Like you need to have that support, and then it trickles down to all the other levels of the organization. So I love that. And 
Christia, I know I didn't prep you for this, but I'm wondering if we can do a quick exercise. Okay. So you mentioned, you called it a needs assessment, correct? Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. If let's, let's say I'm, I'm one of the employees at Louisville and, and I'm going through one of your workshops or mm-hmm. one of your programs to do a needs assessment, like just to get it started. What are some of the questions that you're asking me? What are some of the pieces of information that you're looking to get out of me? Because I imagine there's a lot of people who heard that and were like, ooh, I I would love to do something like that. So maybe we can help them uh, understand a little bit more. Not that they have to copy your method entirely, but at least give them some ideas that they can borrow and maybe start with a foundation. Yeah, so I love this. I'm excited for this activity. (laughs) Okay, Okay, so what are some things that you need to ask in a needs assessment? Um, I always ask people, what are some challenges that you are experiencing? And that can be challenges in the workplace. That can be challenges, you know, in the classroom. Um, That could be challenges with, you know, relationships with your colleagues. And just asking about challenges or barriers that people experience, you can start developing content to help them overcome those barriers. So let's say time management was an issue or they're like, oh, I don't have time. Okay, well, we can create, you know, pre-recorded material that you can listen to at your leisure, right? I always like to ask, you know, well, what do you want to learn about? And I find it helpful by having different topics already derived. So uh, I wouldn't call it a long list, but a nice list where they can check off, you know, whether they want to learn more about navigating crucial conversations. Um, They want to learn more about supervising others or they want to learn about emotional intelligence, providing like a checkbox for them to actually select what they want to learn. And again, you know, getting that from the source can help you create programming and content and services and initiatives that actually meets the needs of your employees, your student athletes, or your team. I will also ask, you know, how do you like to receive the content? Would you like to have something that's done virtual? Would you prefer small group in person? Um, would you like, you know, uh, it to be weekly, bi-weekly, monthly. So just asking them how often or how they would like to receive that content. I also like to add something too, like, you know, what are some good times that work for you that to attend the sessions, especially for our coaches or even our student athletes, right? They have schedules that can control like their whole day, but there might be a day that could be their off day or You know, I have a group that Wednesdays, you know, in the morning tend to work better. So figuring out that time as well. I also love to leave the door open for um, recommendations. Like, do you have any recommendations of guest speakers or other things that you would like to see? But one question that I love asking all the time is what is needed to make a learning experience impactful? And I find that important to ask because we're all different human beings. We all have our different priorities and preferences. So knowing what people want in a learning environment can help you mimic that so that you can have effective programming. 
Um, I can keep going on and on, but those are just like a few things that I would recommend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this this is so great. I'm, I'm writing the, all these down right now and I'll, I'll just repeat them real quick for people. So some of the questions that you would ask are, what are your challenges? What do you want to learn about? How do you want to receive the content? That's That's a huge one right there. What are times that work for you? Another big one, leaving the door open for recommendations. Again, you know, you having the awareness to realize that you don't know everybody. You don't, uh, you know, maybe know it, uh, somebody that could be impactful or um, that you just know everything in the room, right? Um, and then I, I just love the what is needed to make a learning experience impactful. I think that's probably going to be the title of, of this episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> all, all really, really great stuff, and it just it reminds me uh, just how you know. I think you've showcased over and over again in our conversation today, like the, the willingness to ask questions is like really the key to helping people develop and grow. Yeah. Um, if if you're not asking questions and you're just making assumptions, then, you know, that's where you get the, the glazed over eyes. That's where you get the people who are resistant to doing the work is because you're just showing that you don't care. So I, I think so many times throughout our conversation today, you've talked about how you would ask this, you would say that, or you would ask that. And I think that's probably the biggest takeaway from this whole talent development piece is if you ask questions, then you can unlock a lot of answers that you probably, you're not trying to reinvent the wheel, right? But right. <laughs> make it a lot easier for yourself. <laughs> that is true. And feedback is crucial too. So I do want to make sure I mention that. So in addition yeah. to like conducting a needs assessment, always give feedback, right? You may think an experience was amazing and you thought it would have been transformational, but you have to make sure you get that feedback so that you can tailor whatever your service or program is so that you are meeting needs because that should be your top goal is making sure that you are helping people um, and you won't know if you don't give feedback. Yeah, yeah, feedback is so important. We we were joking. Uh, I was on a podcast, and a lot of times on my podcast, I get whether they were former players or I get coaches themselves, and we talk about you know different team building activities. And the one that always sticks out in my mind is one of the funniest is this uh, arts and crafts activity night at one of the coaches' house uh, for a big time softball program, and um, it was less about the arts and crafts and just more about the players, you know, coming over to the house and connecting with the coach, with his family and everything like that. And we were joking on a podcast that I was on where just because it works for this program doesn't mean it's necessarily going to work for your program. Yeah. If you don't have student athletes or these players that enjoy coming over to your house and doing the arts and crafts just because it worked for someone else. So if you don't ask them, how how is this? Are you enjoying this? Then and even if it is something that works, eventually it might get stale and it might get something that they get resentful of the time that they're doing. So being being willing to just ask that it's it's funny like how often we I think we just get caught up. We're like, oh, this is the greatest idea in the world. And if we just <laughs> asked one person, we would have realized that if we just tweak something, it would right. be a lot more effective. <laughs> yeah, completely agree. Yeah. Well, Chrissy, I want to thank you for coming on the show. You've certainly showcased um, through all this work that you're doing in talent development, why you are a dynamic leader. And before I let you go, I do like to give my guests an opportunity to shout out someone in their own life who's been influential from either a leadership or just a general standpoint. So do you have somebody that you'd like to give a quick shout out to today? 
Yes, it's actually, I would say a group of people. So I would love to shout out all the working moms in athletics. Um, women are just so strong and so powerful. So to be able to balance work and to still give your all to your athletic department and to your student athletes, I commend you. Y'all are my role models. I'm trying to get my life together in that area. So working moms are dynamic leaders. I love that. And it certainly resonates. My my wife and I are, you know, much like you trying to figure out parenthood and COVID where we're both working and trying to raise our, our daughter. And, um, you know, I think uh, parents in general these days uh, definitely get plenty of pats on the back and uh, plenty of recognition because it is not easy to to balance your personal life and the things that you're trying to do for your kids with work. So love that shout out have loved this conversation, Christia. Thank you so much again for coming on today and can't wait to see the work that you continue to do with Louisville. Thank you. And I appreciate you for sharing your space and your energy and your passion with all of your followers. We appreciate the work that you do. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me.